Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. Zav, Leviticus 6, verse 8, through the end of chapter 8. Uh, before I go to my spiel, there's a lot of stuff in here. We'll, we'll cover a lot of things today, but uh, any comments or questions? Yes, Deborah. Uh, so, a couple questions. Um, now, this is a copy of, of something that's going on in heaven, right? Continuously, yes. Continuously. This is happening right today, and yep. to this very day, yep. up in heaven. This, day. But we've stopped because... Now, so, parts of it, so be careful. The inauguration offerings are not happening every day in, in, in heaven. Because that's been done. Messiah is... is, the, okay, is, is he's the, done. The inauguration process, he's been completed that. But the, the other offerings, yeah, the, because that's our responsibility to lift them up and bring them to him to offer to God. So they, they, as long as we live, as long as, well as we exist and believe in him, we have to continue on the process of the offering. So yes. And then so um, uh, all these lambs, I mean, you know, you're talking about 6 million people plus wives <laughs> and children sinning. Yeah. Uh, so there was a continuous... Um, flow flow of animals and all that meat a lot of it had to be burned up right and then the rest Much had to of be, it is burned. they ate it right parts of it are eaten depends what kind mm-hmm. it is yes but a lot of it was burned up and mm-hmm. okay so so uh when you when you imagine for a moment we we, we uh interpret our modern day into scripture which is not accurate yeah. so be careful what we do so for example i may sin you know one day a week or this day or that day I don't go before God with sin offering every single sin. Oh, I would be there. I'm sure many of you would be probably regular basis. So I was like, hey, there's Daniel again. Oh, oh see, it yeah, must yeah. be eight o'clock. Oh yeah, eight o'clock every morning. That'd be ridiculous, right? No. Well, I would just go the, the point three is, times a day. Yeah, <laughs> or, or many times. However, I'd have, I write, I'd write my pencil in yeah, my, 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 my reserved slot, right? <laughs> it wouldn't work that way. That's not how it works. So the process is you are, you are guilty of a sin, but there's a time frame which that comes due. And all time frames are never a Shabbat. So on a weekly basis, you would not be going before for sin offerings because Shabbat, you will learn later on, has no option for sin offerings for Saturdays. Just the... So it's holy days and new moons. So the most, if you wish to attend or go to a holy day, which you're commanded to at least three of them per year. Right. If you just you attend or a new moon cycle, you have to have your sin offerings taken care of ahead of time or the day before, at some point leading up to that point. So you wouldn't necessarily go every single day, which reality, most of us would be dead broke yeah, <laughs> within well, a matter of a few yeah. weeks. Maybe I'll be, I'll be <laughs> How many cattle sheep? I got this month? But you were not permitted to attend or go to attend a meeting on any holiday, on any occasion... A Shabbat, you wouldn't attend there. You wouldn't attend a Shabbat, but you would attend there for other, other holy days or new moons. You would not be able to attend unless these details are problem taken care of. Now, mind you, these are sins. Don't confuse sins with purposeful sinning, like we call iniquities. They're not the same thing. So these are sins as just when things you, it was inadvertent, accidentally done, didn't, were unaware uh, of it. It was a mistake. Whoops, I missed that one. and was unaware I made a mistake and this is what I did. Whoops. That's what these sins are for. Is the offerings are for. When it comes to, which we'll learn later, later, a few chapters from now, 
When it comes to purposeful, you know, I didn't like so-and-so, so I went off and slugged him and I broke his neck. Right. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Those are purposeful, purposeful attacks, purposeful sins, purpose. You're doing iniquitous or for, for iniquity or rebelliousness. Those are not covered by these at all. Those are only done once per year, which those are addressed. That's day of atonement. That's when the goats are addressed. Right, so <laughs> you'd be broke otherwise, right? So the purposeful sins don't, don't get addressed here. You can't, you can't heal them or fix them in this capacity. They are addressed specifically for Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. That's for purposeful sins. And it, we get ourselves confused, the idea of being a sinner versus being a, a I guess you to loosely righteous or, or justified. We get it mixed up in our lives because we turn thing, a sinner as someone who is purposefully choosing to live in sin. They actually, hey, I know what's right, I know what's wrong. I'm choosing the wrong way of life by conscious decision. Intellectual, I choose this. That is not covered by these categories. That's covered later on in a couple of chapters. I will discuss those particular problems. And they're covered once a year. Now, you as an individual do theoretically have the opportunity to correct your personal willful sin on your own, independent of Yom Kippur. That's on your business to do. We will discuss a man who, does, who did that uh, later on today, who said, hey, I've been a sinner for my whole life. I'm changing. I want to swap this. I'm going to do the opposite. Okay, well, now let's, now let's deal with how God handles that particular thing. We'll talk about him later on. So there are scenarios which those sins are addressed, but that they're not addressed here in this scenario. This is what we would say as a normal, everyday Christian or believer in God. This is what we would be observing, understanding, or following. Yeah, this is our, this is our tasks, our, our, our responsibilities. Uh, Anne, your hand is up. Uh, yes. I noticed that Moses is the one that's acting as the high priest Correct. this way. He starts the process, yep. Okay, because um, is, is this the only time that Moses gets to do this? Yep. Okay, and secondly, um, uh, Abiu and Abayu later on. That's later on, yes. Right. Um, but they, their sin is not covered by any of these sacrifices, and no. according to what you said. No, they're not. So I'm, I just wonder about their salvation, and um, I don't so, know. So in Nadab and Abihu, which who, it, we, they, people debate as far as what they did and how they did it, um, as far as the, the strange fire, some argue like they were drunk, all these different details, and different interpretations as far as why they, why they, they, they brought something incorrect before God. Uh, and God, his only answer was, the closer you are to me, I'm going to be more stringent upon you to require more of you. That is his, his answer as to why he dealt with those two men. So those of us who say, I want to be close to God, be aware what you're asking for. Be aware what you're asking for. He says, look, you're, you're saying, God, look at my life more, more scrupulously and more detailed. That's what you're saying. I want God to look at me more closely and see whether there's errors, mistakes, and point them out through whatever method he chooses that I can address and fix them. And unfortunately for many of us, that's painful. It's a hard process, but that's what you're doing. So we say, I'll be close to you, God. That's what that means. You're saying, God, I want you to examine me under a microscope for everything I've done and don't do. That's what you're asking for. Because he said, the closer you get to me, I'm going to require more of you. Your minimum level of functionality rises up the closer and closer you get to him. So that was a requirement. That, that was his answer for Nababihu. And of course, yes, he also points out, don't come to, to, to service drunk. No, don't do any alcohol while you're serving. It, on your own time, it's not a big deal. When you're coming to before me, 
No, no wine, no nothing. You're doing, you're doing just what I told you because you don't want any mistakes made. Um, so it's important to know the differences there. As far as how they are paid for, they paid for it themselves. Their lives were taken. Uh, that, uh, what is the ultimate sacrifice of a mistake? Death. You paid for it. And that was what uh, King David had told to King Solomon. Make sure these individuals are killed while they're alive. Don't let them die of old age. He listed off their names. Because if, if they die of old age, that means in heaven, they got to pay for it then, for the murders they did. It's better off to pay for your mistakes here in this life than it is before the, before the throne of God. And that was David's point to Solomon. Of course, Solomon then obliged, made that happen. Uh, we can discuss whether that was right or wrong. We're discussing the morality of, what, of, of, of a kill list. But either way, that's what, what, that's what took place. Yes, ma'am. A guy's on death row and he's going to be, ki- he's going to be put to death. But at the point of, of before he dies, if he repents be, of, of what he has done and he uh, still has to be killed so that when he goes to heaven now, that's taken care of? That's covered, right. You wouldn't have the option if you choose not to repent. Guess what? You got problems. You don't want to go before God still rebellious. That's, not, that's not, not a safe place to be. Paying for your mistakes is part of life. If I stub my toe, I, get, I might get an infection. Guess what? I wasn't paying attention to I walk. The payment is the toe hurts. I may even lose my nail. It's a payment for the mistake. So the payment isn't the problem. We're not afraid of the payment. That happens. It's when you're in heaven, what are you paying for then? As Messiah points out, you harm a little one, you're better off you die here now than God get a hold of you after you die of old age. You don't want that process because God does not, as he will read it as later, he also points out to the Pharisees, everything, every idle word you say, you will make a full account for it. No, so is that nothing, where that, that is statement mistaken. where Christ said it, it'd be better if you tied a millstone, millstone around, around his neck? Better, drown yourself? Yeah, and, and dump, yeah, dump yourself in the water. Die now and pay for your sin now in this life because it just kills your body versus in heaven where your soul is taken out. The big difference in the two of them, we don't want the heaven soul wiped out. That's not the value. And the, and, and the common thing my kids talk about, I'm not sure where they got it up from, but the whole, the whole philosophy, the crazy idea of you know, you're burning hell forever. That's ridiculous because that means you have eternal life. You don't get eternal life even in hell. <laughs> it's not a eternal life. You, you just plain die. Your, 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 your spirit is taken care of. It's, it's, it's done. It's finished. So that's the idea behind it. So as far as the WWE, yeah, they paid for it their own immediate lives. Now, I can't speak to what their mental state of being was. I wasn't part of it. I wasn't part of the conversation. I have no idea what they repented of. I have no knowledge of that at all. All we have is what our scripture tells us regarding them. Any comments or questions before I go through this? All right. Well, the idea, your your question, your point is right, Deborah. A knowledge of scripture, a basic fundamental understanding of who God is. You're still accountable. Even even now, right. And and, and not to say that God isn't merciful. Quite the opposite. He's very merciful. He's very forgiving. Even Jonah pointed out, Jonah says, hey God, these people are awful human beings and I know you're going to sit there and forgive them. Yeah, what's that to you? <laughs> that's, not, that's not your problem, Jonah. It's mine. I deal with that, not you. They're my kids. Yeah, the works came late. Right, right. The same principle that every child is God's child. Which one of your children would say, you know what? No, I'm not going to forgive you. I mean, come on. What parent? What kind of parent are you? Our heart. Okay. <laughs> not trying to, <laughs> not trying to put words in your mouth, but your love for your child is fairly strong. That's the intent. You love your kids. 
and your desire isn't to succeed, not your goal isn't to make them fail or rejoice in their failures. Your goal is to rejoice in their successes. So we have all these details of, of, of being a parent, and God is our parent. Okay, we go to this relatively quick thing. I want to hit the New Testament on certain, to- certain topics here and get through this regarding our Torah portion today. Some of this stuff is pretty obvious, pretty straightforward. Nothing terribly shocking here. Chapter 6 and 7 cover the, uh, the, the offerings discussed after 1, 2, 3, and 4, and 5. They also cover a few details of the Sham offering um, as far as how they're done because the first five chapters of Leviticus tells the individual person that you and I what we're supposed to do, what, what offerings to bring. Chapter 6 and 7, part of 8, tell the priests, what do you do with them? So they brought an animal. He says, yeah, should I pet it? <laughs> what do I do with the thing? No, how to kill it, what you put the process is, and what it's for. And there are certain details to pay attention to. Number one of the details is when you bring a, a, great, a grain offering, a meal offering, the person bringing it, they're the ones who come and bring the, the uh, sorry, a peace offering, sorry, peace offering. They're the ones who bring it to and go into the temple, not in the holy section, but in the temple. So you get to actually manually put it on the altar, all the details you are part of. So when you bring an offering, you're the one bringing it. Yeah, the priest puts the light on it and burns it, but you're the one who actually is bringing it. That's not the case for every offering, but certain ones you get to walk into, hence you better be relatively clean. The sin offerings are covered, that kind of thing. You, you take care of them before you walk in. You don't get to walk in otherwise. Those things, and you, you're the one who brings them forward for God in the course the priest then burns them up. So you have the opportunity to see the inside of the tabernacle, not the holy section, not where, the, where the, 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 the special components are, but you see the altar, you see a few of the details, the tables, things of that nature that are, that are out there. That is for you to observe. You get to see how the process works. So it's, a, it's, it's kind of a show and tell to some degree what Moses is doing with the Aaron and his sons. He's physically doing it so they could physically see how they do it. Mind you, because how many of us do really well when showing us versus verbally telling us? Show me, I'll memorize it forever. Tell me, I'll try to remember it next week. <laughs> I don't know, it'll sure be gone. So the idea is Moses verbally gives the instruction, then through Aaron and his sons, manually walks the process so they get to see what they're doing. They can ask questions, I'm sure, along the way, and then finish off the process. It's, it's a show and tell process, which Moses is doing. So um, uh, uh, Anne's question about, yeah, Moses, this is the first, this is the first and the only time Moses does this. There's no other instance which he does. After this, Moses does, is not responsible for any offerings. It's Aaron and his sons then take over from that point forward. Yeah, tra- train them to show what's going on. Um, there is some speculation about the details regarding some of the offerings, what the people did and didn't see. There are certain details we'll bring up to you uh, that are brought up here, both the meal offerings as well as the sin offerings. Anything that they touch has to be treated the same way that they are. So it's kind of like contaminated. So in a matter of speaking, if I take a piece of human filth and smear it on food, <laughs> the food becomes human filth, regardless if it was eaten or not. It becomes human filth, right? If I take something that is holy and clean, smear it on something, a piece of food, guess what? I treat the food as if it's holy and clean, even though it may not be, as I treat it like it is. The process is, is treated the same way. So it says what it becomes, if it's anything it touched becomes holy, that correlates, this is chapter 6, by the way, it correlates for the, for the different offerings being offered, both the sin offerings as well as the peace offerings. What do they touch with? You treat them the same way as that item is. So I would treat human filth as dispose of it. I would treat a holy object as it must be set aside for holy use for that capacity. Now, I'm not saying they took, you know, a piece of, of, of cow, a, a, a sheep or a goat, and spit it on a pig. Now, the pig must be eaten, no, the item has to be clean to begin with as far as it can't be 
It's not, yeah, it can't be an unclean item to start with. That's ridiculous. I can't take a holy thing and smear it on human filth. Human filth is now a ho- it doesn't make the human filth holy. <laughs> it's still human filth. So uh, it, it doesn't work that, that, in that process. So the holy thing, it must be treated the way, but it has to be clean to start with. It can't be some absurd, you know, hypothetical of, of, of disgusting gruesome, gruesomeness that we, that we wouldn't consume or, or touch. Same principle applies to pots and containers and things of that nature, pots and containers. So if there is a, 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 an earthenware pot or a vessel that's being used or whatever being, being consumed up or in it touches it, the same process with a clean or unclean makes a difference. The pot, if it's a clay pot, you have to break it. You have to keep the item or keep the item functionally usable. <laughs> and uh, you're in town. What's up with that? <laughs> I don't know, guys. You're coming in town. <laughs> Hi. Uh, sorry, the... Uh, 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 slight distraction. Apologize for that. <coughs> um, anyway, so as far as uh, you get the table out for him, will you? As far as uh, 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 clean things are to clean, dirty things are clean. So earthen pots are broken. You can't clean them. Metal pots can be cleaned. And glass pots, of course, are classified into metal because you can clean them and, and, and scrape them clean. This applies whether it's holy and clean item or an unclean thing. So if I have an earthenware vessel that is unclean, I and I put a clean thing in it. It doesn't make the clean thing clean. It makes the unclean thing remains unclean. And that's the whole process of how it's supposed to work. So, everywhere else are busted. That's the same. We, when we kosher things, objects, utensils, it's done the same way. So, for example, I had this problem not too long ago. Uh, in, my, in my house, uh, someone had brought in an unclean a container that had think, some shrimp, whatever, and they threw it into my sink, which had dirty dishes in it. And I looked at that. Uh, yeah, it didn't work. So I had to clean and dispose anything that was made out of plastic or wood disposed of because those will absorb items. Anything made of metal, I had to scour and clean because an unclean piece of food was put into my, my sink. Now, it was unintentional why the individual did so. It wasn't that they weren't thinking about it, but it was unclean. You contained my entire sink. So the wash the process. It's a process of cleaning it. Now, it's a, it's, it is a... It is a it is more of a process of educating me and my life and how to be diligent than it was a, some important thing about how clean it was. I mean, obviously, soap clean stuff would have been fine. That's not necessarily a big deal. But the process of how diligent are you on God's instructions or how diligent am I? What example am I giving to people around me? How diligent can I be? How diligent should I be? Is important or not? That matters. Because if I, as, as Messiah pointed out, those who do and little as far as disobey the, the least of the commandments and teach others to do so also will be least the kingdom of God. I don't want to be in that category of disobeying even the littlest of commandments and teaching others to do so as well. I don't wish to be least the kingdom of God. I wish to be in there. I'm not saying the biggest or below. I just I want to be in there, but not the least. I don't want the, the bottom end bot, uh, person that, that's there. I'd rather be somebody who's functionally usable, even if it's a small degree, I'm, I'm okay with that. So it's important to keep things relatively clean. Um, there's a few details I want to go through because I would go through a certain, certain men's examples we have. As most things are, when your Torah says, here's a law, there's almost somebody, some of the Tanakh that says, this guy broke it. <laughs> there's, there's pretty, pretty consistent say, here's a law and so-and-so broke it. And this is what happened to so-and-so. And that's very helpful for our education to see how God thinks and how he functions and why he does stuff. So in this instance, we have a little bit about this. Uh, in chapter, let's see, chapter 7, it goes through a particular offering. 
They often drag your attention to this offering. Um, so this is the offering for thanksgiving and peace. So this offering is done by command once a year at Shavuot. Shavuot, we offer the Shavuot is 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 is, is, is the offering that's given. It's the it's it's the conclusion of the days of counting the Omer. So the Omer counting starts sometime during Passover week wherever it was, and then it continues on counting for the 50 days. And the 50th day is Shavuot. This year it lands on Sunday, May... Oh, June 5th. See, thank you. Sunday, June 5th this year. As for, for our very particular years. That's Shavuot. This Todah Shalomim offering is an offering that's made with all the different unleavened bread loaves, or, or pieces, as well as two leavened loaves. And it is served, must be consumed on the same day it's offered. Now, other peace offerings aren't done that way. Now, to give you a general idea of what peace offerings are for compared to other offerings, each offering has its function, all right? They're not the same thing. We don't think, oh, well, all the offerings are God. Well, they have purpose behind each of them. Some reason why, why would I choose this one versus that one? What's the difference? They're all the same, right? Who cares? Well, it, it actually doesn't matter. So there are offerings used for Thanksgiving. Now, Thanksgiving offerings are important events in your life or life of your community. So we think of like anniversaries, for example. Those are important events. Or in modern day vernacular, what we would think of today as anniversaries, the day you choose, chose to be baptized, right? That's an important event in your life. You chose to change your way, change your path. That's an important event for you. So that would be a a classified as a Shalomim Thanksgiving, a Shalomim, a, 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 a bigger, grander type of offering you give on those particular days as an annual anniversary or as an occasional anniversary, you would, you would remember those, those events. Some offerings are used for honoring God and restoring peace between you and Him. So there are instances which you, let's say, hypothetically speaking, you said, God, forget you. I walk my own path. Do your own thing. God, I was stupid. <laughs> I'm turning around and come back to you. Now, you have to deal with all those issues you, you failed, the sins, transgression, iniquities, all those things, but also, God, how do we have a good relationship again to where I can trust you and you can trust me again? That's a general peace offering we use for that application of God. We're going to have peace with each other. My past, the past, it's done. I'm not going to go back there. We're going to re- re- rectify that. Now we're at peace with one another and we're content. That's a peace offering we use for. And yes, Guess what? We go through those things like, in, in life. Like, we all do, think, do things foolishly. Uh, yes. Uh, Daniel, uh, can we bring this up to today? Uh, we don't bring cakes and, and meat yeah, and you blood. Do. And Not in food form. You bring other things today. Okay. but We're, going to, we're, we're, we're what heading I'd like that you direction. What bring out is what we bring today. And, yes. that, and that is our, our deep repentance yes. and our prayer. Yes. So in, in, in both uh, Hosea as well as the book of Hebrews, this instructs us offerings of physical animals isn't actually what we use today. We use offerings of our words and our actions. Those the two component offerings, which we call offerings today. They are offerings in the form of what you do, what you don't do, as well as what you say, what you don't say. So you may say things of praising of God in a amongst people. You are, hey, this is what I did in my life, X, Y, Z, fill it out. This is what I did to fix it, X, Y, or A, B, C, to fix it. And this is how God has blessed me, or this is how God has worked with me and taught me what I did right or wrong. That is an offering. Another offering option. So because, hey, 
God is awesome. He did this great thing in my life. He changed the, the, the circumstance, whatever it may be. And I want to praise God for him and just whatever, singing, whatever, dancing, discussing, talking, praising God. That's another, a different type of offering. So these are offerings which Christianity or, or believers in God do all the time. Yeah, you, you bring it up to God. Now, in an offering that's made shallowly, which Messiah discusses, is not accepted. A shallow offering, well, uh, God's great. He's wonderful. I did all these great things in my life. And that's on Saturday. Then tomorrow comes. Who needs God? Who needs God? All week long. Who needs God? That tells you that the individual, not that you would know or I would know, but God knows, individual, the praising offering he gave or she gave on a Shabbat or a Saturday or any other day of the week, who cares what day it is, he gave an offering, has no depth to it. There's no, there's no change of actual heart or person. They are a shallow individual. And Hosea 6 discussed that precisely of how shallow people actually are. And that shallowness, which Messiah addressed later on, says this is worthless to God. You're not, the offering is not of value. The words coming out of your mouth are empty words. They're garbage. Shut up and, and sit down. You're not worth listening to. That's the process of, of what, what Messiah discusses to the Pharisees. He tells them, hey, back off. You guys, you, what you're saying is garbage. Well, what you're doing, these, that's uh, Matthew uh, 9. Uh, yes, Deborah. So, uh, for example, I would, I'm just thinking what you were saying. The other day I was listening to this godly teaching and I was, oh my God, Lord. And I was pulling up in the parking lot and I was getting ready out of the car and something happened and I just, uh, I was going to say something about this person driving or doing whatever. And I was like, out of my mouth, I said, oh, you know what? Here you are worshiping God, praising God. And then all of a sudden this thing, incident happens in the parking lot. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, and I was going to run out. There's of, no real depth like, to, the, to just, the heart behind it. Right? Is that what <laughs> you're just saying? Just yeah, the same process. Yeah, that, okay. that, that's the error. That's the fault. That, that's the weakness. That happened this week. Yeah, yeah. You're better um, off not even praising God if, you're gonna, if that's okay. what you're going to do. Because what happens, now granted, more specifically, these offerings are done in a public format. They're really designed for a public format. So they would come to the offering, they'd be offering to the temple. So the offering would be amongst people who could hear you and say, God, or God's great, God's wonderful. That's why I use the example of Shabbat here at services or, or wherever you go. You, you, service, you, you offer a great, God's great, God's great, God's wonderful, he's lovely. He did all these great things. You walk out the door in your car and go curse out the guy who cut you off. The right, fruit. that's exactly what I'm saying. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's not right. That's yeah. not. There's no depth to the true. So everything you repentance. did, was just, it was it was wasted. It was yep, empty. Yep, yep, okay. Right. That's what that's we're referring what to specifically. So that that that's the type of scenario. So it, it it's it's the the shallowness. And granted, we're all guilty of it. I do it. You do it. We've done it. Right. We, we can realize you're you're out of you're, it's out of sight, out of mind. I was here praising, loving God, and then I'm out in the world. I forget. It's, it's Tuesday. <laughs> I'm going to work. It's a Tuesday. I, all I'll do is go out on Saturday. I got a couple more days to work. You're not thinking. Your, your mindset has escaped where it once was. So the offer you gave has no real depth behind it. There's no realness there. So I wasn't going to go here yet. I'm going to go here right now just, just to help clarify this issue. Let's go to Hosea 6. Because this is Hosea, Hosea 6. Um, he addressed this, 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 this consistent problem. I can find Hosea. It's a relatively small book. Uh, there he is. Oh, 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 missed him. Hold on a minute. Ah, found Hosea again. Hosea chapter 6, uh, it, it, next to Daniel. So it, find the book of Daniel. Go at next, next book over is Hosea. 
So they answer chapter six. Uh, now, I'm going to read the whole chapter here, but to be fair, we're jumping in the middle of a long discussion, Hosea is, is pointing out, that you, you as individual Israelites or people of God are having this consistent, shallow problem. There's no real depth to your love or repentance or anything regarding you. So here's Hosea chapter 6. Hosea said, now this, remember, he, the first three verses, Hosea is quoting not himself, quoting the words he hears from the audience around him in Israel. So these are their words. They're saying he's mocking or satirically reciting them as this, char- this, this starts out. So Isaiah 6, chapter 1, oh, sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. Come, let us return to the Lord. For he, has to- he, has, he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will re- revive us. And the third day, he will rise us up. That we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. He is going forth, is, is going forth established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter rain, the former rain up to the earth. Pause. Those first three verses is not true. Those verses are what the people are saying about God. Hosea then replies to them in verse 4. Oh, Ephraim, what shall I do to you? Oh, Judah, what shall I say, shall I do to you? For your faithfulness is like a morning cloud, and like the early dew, it goes away. Therefore, I have hewn them out by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and your judgments are like the light that goes forth. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. But like men, they transgress the covenant. There they deal treacherously with me. Gilead's the city of evildoers and defile with blood, as bandits of robbers lie in wait for a man. So the company of priests murder on the way to Shechem. Surely they commit lewdness. I have seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There is a harlotry of Ephraim. Israel is defiled. Also, Judah, a harvest is appointed for you too. When I return the captives of my people. So Hosea's reply to their shallowness is, what should I do to you? I mean, seriously, I mean, in, in, in your world, put yourself in their shoes. You're, you're enjoying your life of lewdness and disgusting, grotesque behavior. It's like, oh man, life's tough. Well, I'll go, I'll go serve God for a couple of days. Yeah, by third day, we'll be all be good again. How shallow is that? A couple of days, a God fixes him. A third day, well, he'll be right. Well, life will be great. Well, I'll be happy. That's their attitude toward our God. And Isaiah points out, you're disgusting. Your, 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 your righteousness is like a morning cloud. It, it's here and then poof, it goes away. Your, your repentance has no depth to it. Here's a serious problem, a weakness with inside of us. It's, we're all guilty. It happens. That, that's, that's humanity. We do this type of thing. So that's Hosea's point is. Now I'm saying this because Hosea goes, his entire book is dedicated to their unfaithful, unwilling to be persistent in their life and following of God. His entire book focused on that topic alone. The backsliding, the continuous said, oh, I'll follow you, God, for show, and now you're not looking? Okay, and you run off and do something else. His whole book is focused on that topic. So when he talks about this, that's, this is the middle of his book discussing this. This is how you guys look at God, and it's a failure on your way of how, you, how God should be perceived by, by all men. Uh, 
Now, this, this section here is quoted, Hosea 6 is quoted by Messiah in, in, in Matthew 9. He's, he talks about this, he addresses this. Let's go, let's go there real quick to understand what Messiah's point was when he said it. So Matthew 9, now he gives him a, a brief reference because all the sorry, Pharisees knew what he was talking about when he's, when he's, when he, when he, when he's discussing this. So uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, going down to verse, let's see here, uh, crossover. Uh, we'll start in verse 9. So Matthew 9, verse 9, 9 through uh, 13. As Jesus passed from there, this, he's, I'm going to middle, by the way, he's, he's, he's traveling around gathering uh, individual people and, and preaching along, uh, along, the, 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 uh, along the northern part of Israel. So that's, that's, where, he, that's where he's at, what he's doing. Then as Jesus passed from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and said to him, follow me. He rose up and followed him. And it was so as Jesus sat at the table in the house, that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the just, but the sinners toward repentance. So Messiah's point out to the Pharisees, hey, go reread Hosea 6. Go reread what Hosea was telling you. That was a reference. It's Hosea's, it's Hosea's book. Go reread this. Go learn what that means. What did does it mean? Well, Hosea 6 was your righteousness is so worthlessly shallow, it's better off non-existent. That's what Hosea's whole book's about. So what's he telling the Pharisees? Your righteous Pharisees is so shallow and worthless, you might as well not even exist in it. It's, an int- it's a for show. Now, this is an interesting problem, interesting scenario. We're discussing a little bit more about, a little more depth regarding this topic. Um, I, yeah, I'll get to that, my, my notes here. Write, write a few things out to you in, 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 in it shortly. So, we have a greater uh, explanation here as far as there's ad- additional information here in, in, in this example. So, we have the situation, which I'm going to bring in this hypothetical, not, so this, is, this real life example, Aaron. Moses' brother, right? Now, Aaron was, a, it was, was decided or selected by God, the high priest, right? And he and his sons. Now, there's a problem with Aaron, though, isn't there? What's Aaron's biggest failure leading up to this point? Mind you, I'll give you a hint. There was, it, yeah, the golden calf, all right? And that was a huge, huge failure, Right? Yeah. And Aaron was afraid, and Moses later on, Moses had to plead for God to please spare Aaron's life. Now, why would God select Aaron, who facilitated this massive failure, say, You're going to be the high priest? You're going to be in charge of all of this. That's a strange selection. We're going to learn more about this. Before we go there, I mean, I'm going to give you examples of individuals that. Theoretically, God should say, get rid of this person. They're terrible. Find somebody better. But he didn't. The next one I'm bringing up to you, which, which is a man which I don't care for at all, but his story is important. Go to 2 Kings 21. 
I'm giving an example of these two individuals on purpose because I can give you an idea of what's going on and why. Why? Because we'll 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 explain. Messiah explains it later. Second Kings. Second Kings. If I can find Second Kings. It's a big book. Okay. So Second Kings chapter twenty-one. Now, now this is repeated in Second Chronicles thirty-three, which we're gonna read. We're gonna read both of them. Second Kings chapter twenty-one. Another man who also is repulsive. Second Kings twenty-one, starting in verse one. Manasseh was twelve years old when he became king, and he reigned for fifty-five years in Jerusalem. So the name was. Uh, Hephzibah. Terrible, butchered her name. Apologize for her. Um, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. He rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah's father had destroyed. He raised up altars for all and made a wooden image as Ahab the king of Israel had done. And he worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. He also built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I put my name. He built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. He also made his son pass through the fire, practice soothsaying, used witchcraft, consulted spirits and mediums, He did much evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him toward anger. He even set a carved image of Asherah that he had made in the house of which the Lord said to David and to Solomon, his son, this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I'll put my name forever. And I will not make the feet of Israel wander anymore from the land of which I gave their fathers. Only if they are careful to do according to all I commanded them and according to all the law that my servant Moses commanded them. But they paid no attention. And Manasseh seduced them to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. The Lord spoke by his servant the prophet saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, he has acted more wickedly than all the Amorites who were before him has also made Judah sin with idols. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity upon Jerusalem and upon Judah that whoever hears of it, both his ears will tingle. I will stretch over Jerusalem the measuring line of Samaria and the plumb line of the house of Ahab. I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it and turning it upside down. So I will forsake the remnant of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become victims of plunder to their enemies, because they have done evil in my sight, have provoked me to anger since the day their fathers came out of Egypt, even to this day. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood, till he filled Jerusalem from one end to the other, besides his sin with which he made you to sin, in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. That's a pretty bad guy, right? You don't, they don't get much worse. Now, let's go to explain why this guy reigned for 55 years. Go to Second Chronicles. Why didn't God just kill him? Get rid of him. Get rid of this guy. He's terrible. Yeah, there's, there's good and bad people, but he's awful. He's like, he's like his modern-day version of Hitler. He's terrible, human being, right? Second Chronicles explains, Second Chronicles chapter 33, explains why... This happens. So Second Chronicles 33 is the same story. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's the same story. 33, 33, 33. So Second Chronicles 33, 
it goes it goes the whole thing it, re, it restates the same thing we just read in 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 in, in second kings however this has other details as to what God did with Manasseh. So we're going to drop down to verse, uh, let's see here, verse 10. Of Sikos 33, verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manasseh, his people, but they would not listen. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the captain of the army, the king of Assyria, who then took Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze fetters, and carried him off to Babylon. Now, when he was in affliction, he implored the Lord his God, humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and he received his entreaty. He heard his supplication and brought him back to Jerusalem, into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. After this, he built a wall out to the city of David on the west side of Gihon, in the valley as far as the end of the fish gate and enclosed Ophel. He raised it to a very great height. He put military captains in all the fortified cities of Judah. Of Judah. He took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built in the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem. And he cast them out of the city. He also repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed peace offerings and thanksgiving offerings on it, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed the high places, but to the Lord their God. So this is strange. You have this man that is corrupt, evil, and butcherous, Instead of God taking him out, like we all say, just get rid of him. Just get rid of the guy. He's not worth keeping. Instead of taking him out, God takes him, arrests him. The man has a massive about face turn of his heart. And he, God says, I hear you. I believe you. And brings him all the way back to Jerusalem to reestablish a foundation in God. You're using the most corrupt individual you got to turn him around to make him something that is phenomenally great. That's a strange scenario. It's like, what? What? <laughs> who, 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 who would do this? Who would go through this? Why wouldn't God just get rid of him? He did such awful things. What about all those people he murdered? What about him? Who, yeah, who, who would believe it? <laughs> who, who, who would believe Melissa? You wouldn't believe in Norman, but then you look at, look at what he does. He then rebuilds the temple of God. You wouldn't believe by just him saying so. But look what he did, his actions, because in God's world, as Hannah points out, God, actions are weighed, not your words. You think, well, but our, our offerings are in words. They are. Our offerings are in words. But if we go out the door... After we finish our, our yay God on Shabbat and go out the door on the next day or the day after and, and curse and swear and do whatever we want to do, that's our actions. And in God's world, actions are weighed. So was your yay God of value? Well, sort of, maybe the people who heard you, but to you, it didn't mean anything. So in Manasseh's case, 
did his about face mean anything to him? Uh, yeah, two minute hands up. So Alex, you're first. I think so, because his turnaround was quick. And I'm thinking a guy with that kind of personality knew God was the man all along. But he wanted to get things working his way. So, but as soon as things went bad, he prayed to Adonai. But he, re- he realized uh, this, this, is fall, this fell apart. He realized real quick. But I, I think he kind of knew all along. I'm sure he did. Because yeah. Hezekiah was his dad. Hezekiah mm-hmm. was a good king. He knew who God was. And he, yeah. So, Manasseh was not unaware of who God was. He was choosing as rebellious as there as possible in the first, I don't know how long, of his career before he did about face. Now, uh, 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 your turn. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Look at the man. I know, I know. <laughs> so. It's been too long. It's all your fault. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a skeptic. I, I, I generally heart. am too. Go ahead. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a skeptic by heart, you know? And so the people change so radically. I want to wait. Right. And I want to watch. Exactly. But I don't have any guidelines on how long I need to wait or how long I need to watch. So it's, you know, how long before you embrace Paul's conversion? They That's were, it. they were very skeptical about what he was yeah, doing. Yeah, who is this guy? Let's let's wait and see. How do we it, know exactly? How, how would you know? It's the same problem. It's the same scenario, yeah. in that you have somebody who is one extreme, and then completely does a one eighty flip. So, uh, is, is this genuine? Is it is it real? Well, h- hence Hannah's point was actions are weighed. So you would know them. By actions, what are you actually doing? Let's watch what you're doing. Note the people, as it points to Manasseh, though he, he made this all these correction and changes, the people still worship on, high, on, 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 the high, on their high places. They, yeah, I, I don't really trust what you're doing. I'm going to do my own thing still. But they at least tried, good or not, to acknowledge who God was. They actually will name it. Okay, we recognize you. you, you we, we, are, we, are, we are acknowledging our real creator, the one who started this process. But we're still not quite trusting Manasseh. And Manasseh doesn't, God doesn't say, hey, now it's great. Let's go bury you in David's tombs. It doesn't work that way. Manasseh, you're, gonna, you're, not, you're not good enough of a king to get all the way back to redemption like your dad. That's not going to happen. You're, you, 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 you are paying for it in a ministry. You will be demoted or lower in your burial process. Now you can say, well, it's insignificant. And, and you could argue that. But that's what God still separated out the differences. Um, so, so we have these scenarios. We have these two individuals. We have Aaron who was awful in his right, in his own way. And we have Manasseh, who was also awful in his right, in his own way. And God doesn't get rid of them. He does something different with them. Larry, give your hand up. Well, this is, relates to a scripture that I only half remember that is what we put up when, we, when people want to say, once saved, always saved. That is, when a righteous man does evil, his righteousness will no longer be remembered for him. But when a wicked man does good, or becomes right, I forget exactly how that was worded, his wickedness will no longer be remembered against him. Let's go read that. Ezekiel 18, discuss that particular topic. So Ezekiel 18 is, uh, this, this is we'll jump down, Ezekiel 18, the whole, the whole chapter is useful, but I'm going to go through all of it. We'll jump down, we'll start out in verse 19 of Ezekiel 18 and read that, what the, the actual scripture says regarding that particular topic. So Ezekiel 18, it says, yet 
sorry, 18 verse 19. It says, yet you say, why should the son of your, of not bear the guilt of the father? Because the son has done what is, is lawful and right and has kept all my statutes and done them. He shall surely live. The soul who sins shall die. The son, the son, the son shall not bear the guilt of the father, nor the father bear the guilt of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon himself, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon himself. But, verse 21, if a wicked man turns from all of his sins, which he has committed, keeps all my statutes and does what is lawful and right, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the transgressions which he has committed shall be remembered against him. Because of the righteousness which he has done, he shall live. Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? But when a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and does according to all the abominations that the wicked man does, Shall he live? All the righteous which he has done shall not be remembered because of the unfaithfulness of which he is guilty and the sin which he has committed because of them he shall die. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is not my way which is fair and your ways are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness and commits iniquity and dies in it, is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he has committed and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive. Because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. Yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is not my ways which are fair and your ways are not? Therefore, I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, so that the iniquity will not be your ruin. Cast away from you all the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart, a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. So his explanation here in Ezekiel 18 discusses this exact scenario. We have Manasseh, who was a wicked, evil man. He turned, and God said, okay, you get to keep living. We'll continue on. You will continue on your, your, your reign as king. Now, we also have the scenario of Aaron. Now, Aaron committed an awful crime. He made all of house of Israel sin and resulted in thousands of, death, dead, dead, of dead people, right? Because of the golden calf. And God still says, Aaron, I'm going to choose you as the high priest the most important role in this, in this scenario. Let's find out what Messiah says regarding why God would do that. Let's go to Luke chapter 7. Discusses an example of what the reason God does this and what the value of it is. So Luke chapter 7, Messiah explains, starting out in verse, let's see here, uh, 36. I call it, I got wrong. Oh, there it is, yeah. Luke 7 verse 36, Messiah then explains why this is so important, why God uses this particular method to succeed. So Luke 7, verse 36, it says, One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with them. He went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. Behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, 
when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought in an alabaster, alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping and she began washing his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now the Pharisee who had invited him saw this. He spoke to himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, he would know who and what kind of woman this was. It was touching him. She's, she's, a, she's a sinner. Jesus then answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. As a teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they had nothing with which to repay, he freely regave, forgave both of them. Tell me, which of them will love the master more? Simon answered said, well, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said to him, you have rightly judged. He then turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water, my feet. She has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. This woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time which I came in. You did not anoint my, my head with oil. This woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. He said to her, your sins are forgiven. Those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who can even forgive sins? He said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. So, what, is this, what does this lesson teach us? How profound is Aaron? The fact that he committed a sin so grievous that resulted in thousands of Israelite deaths, yet he's forgiven. That is a profound forgiveness. How strong of a faith would that result in Aaron himself? The more you're forgiven, the more you love the, the one who forgave you, right? So the more that Aaron should have died, he should have been the first one slaughtered. He wasn't. He was forgiven. So then it's the same principle of a convert is more zealous to God than one who was born into a given faith. They have a more profound attachment. So one who's forgiven has a more profound attachment to their God. The greater your forgiveness is given to you, the more grateful you are for the forgiveness. In Manasseh's case, the same principle applies. He was even worse than Aaron in many ways. Yet he was forgiven in a grander scale, and therefore he was more useful and more, as was pointed out, trustworthy to examine what is he? Is this real? Is this true? And he was. It was profound change. The Apostle Paul, same scenario. He was forgiven a great murderous legacy. That forgiveness made him a more trustworthy and valuable tool. So the greater which you are forgiven, the more profound effect it has on the individual who was forgiven. Therefore, they be a more useful person to God. So in Aaron's case, he should have died for what he did. But God said, no, I'm going to forgive you for this. Though you know 
death is warranted. You know there are dead, there's, there's blood on your hands. I'm going to allow you to be the most important character in the entire scheme of the priesthood. Uh, yes, Alex. To the superficial verses, that's depth. Right. That's real depth. Yeah, it is. As opposed to way back. As opposed to shallow. Shallow. It's not useful. a shallow thing, because Aaron's Aaron, I don't believe, now, and he doesn't write about it, obviously, but I don't believe he was a shallow, oh, yeah, I t- oh, yeah, killed a few people, that's all right. That's not the kind of person I believe Aaron was. And we'll learn more about him as, as he goes through his process of learning. Now, he's an old man now at this, this point in his life, but we'll learn more about him as he goes through. He has a lot of, of history to look upon. And Manasseh does not appear to be shallow either. Now, he said it doesn't appear to be. And it is before us what he was doing and trying to encourage the people to change their ways. So these are, these are important components that Messiah explains why they're so valuable. The forgiveness component is such a huge portion of what he, yet, what he does, that it changes the person's walk. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, uh, Anne, your hands up. There's a scripture that says, our light affliction. Well, if you, if you had hooks put on you and, <laughs> and, and, and driven into captivity, and who knows how long he was there. No, no, don't have and, years. And they didn't put him to death, and he was the king. Right. I mean, I, I think Manasseh learned a long, lot of lessons along the way, along the road to, was it Babylon? He was gone. Right, to, to Babylon, correct. Right. And um, so we, we don't like our affliction. We definitely no, we say, oh, please get me out of it. I don't want this pain. <laughs> yeah, get, get this I, over with, I don't with, deserve right? this pain. But, you know, well, it meant something here in the end here. So he, he And it brought, changed him. He brought about the change of the nation it as did. well. And I think Aaron didn't like his affliction watching all those dead people being slaughtered because oh, of his actions. Right. So, that was probably a profound effect on him too. At the same principle, you're seeing that I'm responsible for all this destruction and death and God doesn't punish me for it in, in a direct fashion. It's a profound, it, it, it changes the heart, the in the depth of the person, which Jose was getting at, Messiah pointed out the Pharisees, you have no depth, no depth to you. You're shallow. The sinner that I'm, I'm having, taxes I'm having dinner with, because they actually have depth to them. They truly need help. And they care for it. They're desiring it. The Pharisees were setting off and looking at it from a distance. They are desiring it. You have uh, two hands up. Rose hands up, and then Alex again. Go ahead, Rose. Uh, are we wrong to question God and his motives? Uh, the reason I ask is because my daughter, who I'm, I'm trying to work with and pray for and uh, help, uh, seems to be a little angry at God because of all the things that are going on in the world. <laughs> and, and I tried to tell her, honey, you have to open your Bible and read it. Yeah, it's supposed to happen. Uh, it, it's, all, it's all written. It's already written down. It, it, you know, God already said what was going to happen. So you just have to not take heart and, and not be fearful and not be angry at God because he warned us. I mean, it's like me saying to somebody, uh, uh, you're going to trip in that hole uh, and they don't pay attention and they go in there anyway. And they're mad at you for, for, not, for not stopping uh, it. And they're mad at you, yeah, because you didn't uh, didn't, didn't stop it. it. You, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't prevent the hole. And right. so this is what I try to explain to her. God has already set in motion everything that's going to happen. You just have to read it and, and, and don't, 
don't worry about it. Have peace in the fact that you're not over there and it's not happening to you. Well, it, 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 it is that it, I, I can't see the question God you have as far as that, 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 that commentary. It, it's the nature of what a human does as far as because we question God. Are you listening to me? Are you seeing this? Are you doing something about it? The reality is he's always doing something about it. it. It is almost never in the fashion we imagine it to be fixed by. It, it, we never. I mean, with Daniel's her. point out, when he brought out with the, with the idea of of, of Paul's Paul, no one imagined. I'm sure Stephen never would have imagined God would change Paul in that fashion. That not, it's totally beyond his comprehension. But God did. So the tool God used, the method He uses, is almost never the way we imagine it to be used because He's not us. Mentioned before, Manasseh I'd have killed off by the first week. Yeah, give it him. <laughs> I have no patience. For mass murderers. I just don't. I just don't. I don't have patience for it. And I'm not God. Because if I was God, there probably wouldn't be many people alive in the whole world. Because <laughs> I have no patience for it. So I, it's, it's a good thing I'm not God. And it, it, Apostle Paul wanted to act like God. As Daniel had pointed out with, with Apostle Paul and his issues with the, with the killing people. He was, I'm doing it on God's behalf. Well, good thing he wasn't God. Because, you know, it would be, wouldn't turn out so well. Uh, yes, Alex. Yeah, I think uh, Yeshua physically touching people uh, was another uh, point of the depth. While the Pharisees or whoever are right. there at a distance, he's there. Are you yeah, with in, me? In amongst them. And, right. and that's, that's our call too. Mm-hmm. Are you really with me? You right. looking at me or are you talking at me about, right. sorry, you've got these problems. I feel for you. Right. Which, be, which doesn't help. No, it doesn't. That's all a James <laughs> thing. Oh, you're hungry. Well, pray, go, go off and be filled without getting a food. What good is that? I it, it, <laughs> What, 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 that, that, again, in James's point, with where you got that issue, the person's faith has no depth. So, so your actions have no depth, and James point, if your, your faith has no, because no action behind it, your faith has no depth, then either. You could have shallow action just as much as you can have shallow faith. They both can be equally shallow. So the goal is the depth is what matters to it. Make sense? Uh, one last question. We've got to get our conclusion we gotta, uh, over time. Go ahead, Larry. Isaiah 55, 8 explains it pretty succinctly. Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my, right. your ways my ways. Right. You know, we, he doesn't act the way we imagine him to act. Now, I am very, very grateful because if it wasn't for like things like, like Ezekiel 18, it would be an awful world to live in. <laughs> knowing that God would hold my sons accountable for my mistakes or me accountable for their mistakes. I, that's, that's not fair. I, it, I, I'm my own person. I don't want to be held somebody else's somebody else's errors. Uh, so th- 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 God doesn't think the way we do, and that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a really good thing. So we're going to tie any questions or questions. We're, we'll conclude this here. Otherwise, um, hope this made sense to you. So when we do offerings, our offerings are legit offerings. They come out of our mouths, our actions, and our words. The death behind them is it makes them a legitimate, valuable offering or an utter waste of your hot air coming out of your head. So it's up to you whether offerings are good. As he was pointing out, our, our, our Messiah, our, our high priest, he has to have offerings daily given to God. And guess where they come from? You and I. What comes out of our mouths? What comes out of our actions? Not weekly, not holiday only, but daily. It's every day an offering is brought up from you. What's it made of? What's it consist of? What value is it? Is there death behind it? Or is it empty? An empty shell? Because it's not Saturday. 
it's Tuesday. <laughs> I'm going to work. <laughs> is that what it is? We need to find out. And I can't speak to you. You can't speak to me, but we have to figure out inside of ourselves, what is our offering to God that Messiah gets to lift up on my behalf? Because mind you, we lean, use her loosely, lean our hands on our offering and confess whatever it is. So it is us that he's presenting to God. That's an important presentation. What do you look like? How deep, how deep are we? Uh, yes, Anne. It all goes back to Genesis 1, doesn't it? Where, where uh, Cain gave an, an offering, you know? Oh, right. And um, it wasn't accepted. It was accepted. But, but, but God gave him such a, such a mercy, you know, and he had, oh, my, my, my punishment it's is too great. It's too great, great for me. And God believed him. So, yeah, it is. <laughs> it was too much for you. So I'm going to give you some, some, some leniency on, on your correction. It's too much for you. So Cain even had repentance. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.